if you're actually into going fast, this has become undeniable. So of course you're still going to have the ICE guys that are all like about the build and the modifications and that slow sort of burn up to where they get. Whereas this, it's like a light switch. It's just, you got it all right now without a lot of the challenges and the constant tuning and tinkering and stuff that comes with the ICE side of it. You know, the time we spend, like Tim said too, tinkering with, you know, exhaust or tinkering with getting the timing right or your mixture right. That's all wonderful. We've all done it a thousand times. I'm a gas guy too. But at the end of the day, I'd rather spend time with my three kids. And when I'm on the racetrack, rather tuning and stressing out over my car being not right, which has happened, I'd rather be tuning my car to go faster versus it being broken. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Modify with Trick Factory Customs. If this is your first time watching, my name is Elvis. Tim. Steve. Eddie. Eddie is a guest and uh, it's going to be an amazing episode today because we're going to be talking about electric vehicles, EVs. A lot of times when people hear EVs, there's such a stigma associated with that name, especially from car enthusiasts of just instant dismissal. And I'm sure you get that all the time. And if you guys do not know, Eddie is from Revolt. Um, he's going to tell us about himself, but they pretty much do a lot of stuff with, what do you say, like crate tesla crate motors anything aftermarket electric hot rod yes and so i'm so excited to dive into everything that you guys are doing because it's pretty amazing the amount of stuff that you guys yeah like do and just how easy you make it for people that want to do ev swaps into their cars and so we're just going to dive in this is going to be a glorious episode and we're also going to talk about can EV swaps be cool? Because a lot of car enthusiasts don't think they're cool. And are EV swaps the future of modified cars? So with that said, we are just going to dive right in. We usually start with how the week has been. I know you and you and Tim have been doing a bunch of uh, <laughs> back and forths, trying to figure out everything for SEMA, but just kind of talk about that. Do you want to talk about that, Tim, a little bit? Yeah, basically all we've been doing is focusing on our SEMA project that happens to be electrified. So, yeah, me and Eddie have spent some time figuring some things out, and he's been trying to help us get to where we need to be in time. So that's pretty much all I've been focused on all week. So mm -hmm. Awesome. That's my week. Yeah. And what about you, Eddie? What's been, what's been happening? I'm trying to run the other side of that gauntlet. Um, you know, this is a different world. Um, even for us, every time we build an EV, um, and we've done it many times here, there's always a gotcha. <laughs> uh, we we call it we call it the gotcha and i got some really good guys on my end that have built these cars for years and they really know what they're doing they understand these systems and we always run into something at the very i don't know not even in the end beginning middle end that slaps us across the face and goes ha ha well i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and twist you into a pretzel and <laughs> make you think about this one yeah. You know, most of the stuff we use is pretty straightforward and plug and play. That's what we're trying to do here is make those kits as easy for you guys to install as possible. Um, but even even with all that knowledge, there's always a little bit of something that comes rearing its head, especially with the battery side of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just for people that might not know, that might be listening to us for the first time, we are doing an EV swapped G-Wagon for SEMA. Um, and so... First of all, as we're getting started in this topic of EV swaps, modified cars, all of that, how did you guys get started in the EV game, EV business? And yeah, like how many years have you guys been involved in this, all of that? So just tell us about that. Well, I think it started from childhood. Um, I remember having, you know, RC cars as a kid. Most of us had them as boys. 
Um, and I was always, you know, tricking those things up, putting bigger motors in them, putting bigger batteries in it. I remember very vividly, like when I was like 10 or 11 years old going, this thing is so fast scale wise. I mean, those things were just ridiculously torquey, quick, you know, wow. And I'm like, why can't we just make this bigger? And my dad just kind of looked at me and went, whatever kid. (laughs) Um, but fast forward 30 some years, here we are. And, um, you know, I dabbled with stuff you know, my whole life with electronic motors, electric motors, every time my dad would bring home junk, I'd go through it and go, oh, there's an electric motor, let's make it pull a pulley and maybe a propeller. And I just kind of moved on. And uh, I started uh, building e-bikes about six, seven years ago. Um, then I started building electric skateboards. And then it, it kind of crossed over into cars. I said, you know, how can we make these cars go faster? And uh, Tesla's already got it figured out. They've got a great platform, lots of horsepower. You're looking at 5,000-pound cars that are wrecking everybody at the quarter-mile track. And the sedan that you put your family into, it's like, okay, it's here. we got to do something with this. Either, either, either I'm going to do something with this or someone else is going to do something with this. So I literally sketched out something on a napkin on travels with my brother in Europe one day. And I said, look, I'm going to do this. And he goes, well, that sounds stupid. Why isn't someone else doing it? <laughs> And I said, I don't know. And well, here we are. Fast forward to today, we got uh, these nice crate motors that we put together, and we stuff inside these old, elect- old, you know, gas cars, and we're just making them go faster. Um, the first car I did was a 1967 Mustang as our test mule. No pun intended there. And uh, that car is a riot. <laughs> my daily driver now. That's I love amazing. driving that car. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. No, go say, ahead. No, it looks like you wanted to say something. So. No, I just got an opportunity to ride in that car, and it's pretty vicious. Oh, you've ridden in it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sick. That's amazing. Did you go to school for any of it, or you just, like, dove into it, and, like, you were like, oh, we're just going to see what happens and figured it out as you went, or no? Funny you ask that question. Um, no, I'm not. Uh, I, I had no formal education for any of this stuff. Uh, I went to school like anybody else. I uh, barely made it through high school because I was either busy tinkering with my RC airplanes and dirt bikes, uh, and I didn't like to do schoolwork because it was just kind of boring to me. Um, you would usually find me in shop class, either metal shop or, or, or auto shop. Those are my go-tos, and just through life, I just kind of picked things up. I, I watched people that are way better than me at this, at everything, at welding, at, and then I kind of just picked up, and they showed me what to do, and you know, 40-some years later, you start picking up some skills that, that make some sense. Uh, I do have a software background. I've been a software developer for over 25 years, and I own a company that does software. So oh. that has helped me a lot on the electronic side of these whole things. So where, you know, an ICE engine is a lot of mechanics, and these days you do have fuel injection, you find everything else with all the computers. I was able to transition right into that very quickly. And also, uh, I do a lot of work in CAD, and I do all the design work here for all our motors. So I, that kind of background really helps me with all that stuff you guys have been working together on this ev swap so how did that start tim like how did yeah how did the conversation go from gas to electric and all that just tell us about that because well basically we had a customer that approached us that wanted to do this so then i started deep diving looking through all these different ev we'll call them kits i guess packaging and all these different companies and with my very very little knowledge of this and talking to these people a lot of them seemed like they knew less than I did. <laughs> so basically, I just kept climbing the ladder okay. and I ended up at the top because then you look at this thing and it's like the packaging is amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, like the thing is unreal looking. Yeah. So it's like, I'm sure we'll get into like all these EV hater guys, but even when they come <laughs> through the shop and then it's like, what are you doing to this? You're like, oh, we're converted into electric. And then they look and they're like, oh, shit, that's. <laughs> 
serious like yeah. that thing looks nuts because most of them like in we were talking about it earlier today like in the interim of us having started this project i got all these other ev companies that are like asking me for advice now and i'm like how are you a company <laughs> asking me i have no idea what i'm doing like i'm just like if i didn't have these guys to lean on i would be screwed too and i started at the top of the game because i'd want this thing to work perfectly Whereas a lot of this stuff, it just seems like these do-it-yourself kind of kits, and they're relying on me and my money to be able to develop their product. Oh. <laughs> and it's like it's, okay. yeah. So it's kind of a weird industry at this point right now. So that's kind of, the more people I talk to, it just, I ended up right there. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it seemed like the best packaging, the smartest sort of plan for it, and it seemed easy to me. I'm like, oh, all I got to do is take this and put it in there. That's it. it that's evolved <laughs> like yeah. yeah but i mean if it's probably the easiest route that i was able to find mm -hmm. because so much of this stuff is sorted out for you yeah yeah whereas all this other stuff i would say i don't know he might be able to correct me i'd say like one in ten ev projects actually makes it to the street really because oh, it's overwhelming shit. it's a huge thing like packaging is a problem and then just everything that goes with it, it's not as easy as just putting some batteries and a motor in. Like, mm. it's just not. You mentioned it's not as easy as putting a battery in and all of that stuff and just the electric motor in. And so for, like, you guys, how did you, I guess, simplify it? Like, how did you guys work on simplifying it to make it not, I mean, still not going to be as easy as that. But I feel like you guys make it <clears throat> almost a, pl a plug and play affair for the most part. Um, and so make it a lot easier than it would be if you were just to go do it on your own and gather all these components. So, yeah. And, and that's what we try to strive for here is, you know, I had the same problem as Tim had is when I first started looking at other things, I'd realized that people call them kits and then they send you a bunch of pins and they don't even send you wires <laughs> and a basic wire di wiring diagram that doesn't really make sense to a lot of people. And you're going, how the hell am I supposed to follow this? And, you know, I've done wiring my whole life. I could understand stuff like that. And even to me, it was like, okay, what goes where? Why can't someone just make a kit? I mean, it's not that hard. Cars are about 20 feet long. They have four wheels. So let's make a cable that goes from one into another so we could put, you know, whatever VCUs or your gas pedal over here. Um, and that's what I kind of strive to do is I want to make a kit that is as simple as possible. You could drop it in and our drivetrain does that. Everything's been pinned. Everything's been done and tested. Each one of our motors runs out of the box. Uh, all you got to do is add 400 volts. Um, it sounds easy, but once again, the battery part gets complicated. It's <laughs> two separate systems. You know, the drivetrain is one thing and the battery and componentry are the other. But our systems are, are kind of set up that way that we want our clients to be able to drop these in and get them going. Um, the Mustang last year for SEMA, we had it painted. So the Mustang two weeks before SEMA was completely stripped. There wasn't a oh, single wow. thing inside of it, it was <laughs> just the body. We put it on a roadster shop chassis when it came in. Within two weeks, we had the batteries, motors, and everything talking to each other. And that car drove in and did burnouts out of SEMA on the show. <laughs> That's so cool. That is amazing. And so you mentioned your Mustang now. Um, so talk to us a little bit about like weight distribution, because I feel like that's one big mm -hmm. thing that people don't like take into account because Steve, you've done a lot of wiring. Like you've done a lot of wiring and you've seen from like all the kits, all the levels of kits and to talk to us about that, like how that changes and how like you've had to, deal with weight distribution and work with them and 
all of that? Well, obviously, like when it comes to the EV side of things, you have these this massive battery bank that has to end up somewhere. So whether it's all the batteries in one place or spread throughout the vehicle. And for the G-Wagon, we're having them going to be spread throughout the vehicle because there's not really one spot to put them all for one. And then two, to try to spread the weight out over, over across the vehicle so we don't have this huge amount of weight hanging over the back tires or somewhere that's just not a happy spot for something that's as high as the G-Wagon is going to end up being with the big lift kit on it. Mm. So, um, and I know with your guys' Mustang, I know you guys got most of your stuff in the back of the car. Um, so it must, it, it, like getting that weight distribution happy and that thing must be a bit of a chore. Well, we, we were fortunate enough to have some really good friends as fabricators. So actually, um, the Mustang is perfectly balanced 50-50. Oh, fantastic. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I know when you guys see the videos of the Mustang, you see a lot of batteries in the back there. There's actually not that much in, in the trunk. There's only three modules in the trunk. Oh, no way. Everything else, everything else we have inside the axles. So um, we have four full Tesla modules. And for those people that don't know what these things are, each one of these modules is about 24 inches, uh, 12 inches wide, by about 24 inches long, by about 3 inches thick. And they weigh about 55 pounds. So, and you need all 16 of them to get you to 400 volts. Wow. So here I have this little tiny pony car and I have to fit basically almost a thousand pounds of these batteries somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nightmare. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> talk to us about the challenge that that was. You got multiple challenges. Um, one of them being is these cars weren't designed and with anything really flat inside of them and they weren't designed to be, have these giant battery packs spread throughout them. So. A, you got to find the space, and I think that's the first hard thing to do is kind of look at the vehicle and go, where are we going to put these that actually make sense? Because like you just said, if you put them all in one spot of the car, the car's going to handle it like garbage. You don't want that. <clears throat> also, placement forward, backwards, you want the car balanced out. You don't want too much understeer, too much oversteer, and plus, if you put it outside the axles, the car's going to wag a lot around corners and just feel very unsafe. Um, so when we plan things, it's where are we going to put them first that makes you know, mathematical sense when it comes to to actual weight displacement. And then secondly, you know, to put these batteries in these vehicles, sometimes you have to tear up floorboards, you have to cut out, you know, sheet metal. And given my Mustang's a unibody car, when I start cutting sheet metal out, that starts degrading the, the you know, the properties of the, yeah, of the vehicle. Yeah, integrity. Yeah, the structural, yeah, the structural integrity is gone. So, A, we put a Roadster Shop chassis on that to kind of help with that whole thing. And we put a full chromoly roll cage from front tip to tail. I'm a, I'm a race car kind of guy, so I like that racy look. So we have a full cage in it. So that was kind of how we handled the structural integrity. And then third, um, safety is is a big part too. And you know, I'm not putting these in any order, but this is the three things I always think about is, okay, safety. Um, I got Tim Allen's car here in the office right now that we're converting. It's a 1934 Ford Victoria. Nice. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful car. Bodie Stroud did an amazing job running, running on that car. I mean, that's five years of work they put into this thing and it's, it's flawless. The chop is beautiful. And the car came to us, and Bodie's an ICE guy, so he came because he needed some some help with the with electric setup. And the one, number one thing that I kind of wanted to go over with him is, okay, we got these batteries, and they're in positions that if they fall out or break off, they're going to cause some severe damage to the people either inside <laughs> the car or people around it. So we went through and reinforced all the battery boxes rebuilt all the battery boxes um wow. got them all relaser cut to kind of grab those things and be able to make sure that they're not going to come out and say hello to you with, uh, <laughs> even yeah wow <laughs> so in that instance yeah, in that car are they all in the floor pan kind of underneath the seats because that car is a 35 ford is not a very large car to start with 
as far as width. No. Like, so you have your space dimension issues right off the bat with that car because of how small those things really truly are. Yeah, what, what we did there is we were able to put some in the front cowl in front of the, so Bodhi redid the whole firewall. Yeah. So we have three modules up there kind of, you know, right before the engine. Um, so they're between the firewall and the, where the engine used to go. And then he has uh, four modules in each side of underneath the seats. So he built these gigantic, like, you know, basins, basically, for yeah. batteries. So they're in the seats, and then there's a few behind the seats. And then in the rear trunk, we have a couple stacks as well. So the car there, too, balanced out pretty darn well. That's not bad, getting um, straight across, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tight in there, and then now we're plumbing them, and my uh, my guy here is ripping his hair out because getting his fingers into those little tiny places is always fun. So, <laughs> uh, but that's the challenge. I could get a motor in a car in about a weekend. Yeah. Getting the batteries in—that's a whole different ball of wax. It's yeah. like one thing actually getting the batteries in the car, then the actual high voltage wiring through all of them, so all the batteries have to run in series. So you have to have this continuous essential battery cable run to the entire car then to your electronics so like it's it's planning all that stuff out in any car is massive yeah there you go he's got this yeah. battery cable there so it ends up being about <laughs> that is thick three quarters of an inch in diameter width so like trying to snake two of those things through a car is a huge challenge oh my gosh so how has it been on the g-wagon like figuring all of that stuff out and even weight distribution because yeah like talk to us about that well it's been a little bit of a challenge but we ended up having to do mod battery modules like in different places but i would say that was probably in the early days the single worst representation of an ev vehicle is these guys just dropping slabs in the front and these things handle miserably garbage yeah so like everyone that drives one is like oh, that thing's junk so yeah, i yeah. think that hasn't helped the ev conversion industry no is a lot of these ev guys aren't necessarily car guys or the dynamics of the car isn't as important as the conversion is yes um, so now I think guys are getting smarter and these things are working better. So I think that'll all transition, but it's a lot of work. It's hard. It's a lot of packaging. Mm -hmm. Like if it wasn't for us and like having the ability to 3d scan and CAD design and all this kind of stuff, it would be a very tedious, laborious process. Yeah. Like we get to kind of cheat and create it in computer space. Like we did a battery box yesterday and like, an hour and 40 minutes and sent it to the laser cutter and away we go. But, wow. you know, three years ago, you'd be like, oh, man, this is going to be a piece of work. But so, yeah, I think it's getting smarter about it, but it is a lot of work. It's huge. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of like the whole process that gets dismissed again. Like everybody that comes in, they literally just think you put a battery in the back and a motor in the front and you're going down you're the off. road. Yeah. So it's it's been a big, big challenge for us. And of course, we want to do it well and have a really well-functioning vehicle when we're done, because this is not a cheap vehicle. No. So, I mean, we got the stress of and the expense of the actual EV part, but this is a $200,000 vehicle that we're starting with. <laughs> so, like, you're gutting, like, yeah. literally gutting, like, okay, we don't need this, we don't need wow. this, we don't need this. And it's like, man, we better make this work or we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, it's, it's a big commitment. But in something like that, the center of gravity of the car is already well, so never high. Good to start with. Yeah, that's the problem. So is it going to be improved because we're moving all of those things around? I mean, it's going to help with distribution, but center of gravity is still... In this particular high. vehicle, I don't think it's... I mean, the suspension that we did it is going to definitely help us be able to adjust it. But yeah, it's not great. It's already so high. And G-Wagons <laughs> are notoriously top heavy as it is. Mm -hmm. So it's not... Yeah. Yeah. I don't think if it wasn't for the <laughs> suspension that we put in it, 
they would probably be horrible because mm. they sway so bad as it is like so like ideally because i know or from what i've heard about like tesla uh batteries and different cells and all of that like they use different types of batteries or or modules and all of that depending on the years of the cars and stuff i think there's been an evolution of cells he'd be sure. able to speak to more to it than me yeah so how how has that changed in the in the past years or like coming years like how is that going to is that going to affect the way you can place the batteries on your end eddie yeah so tesla and back in the model s days when the first model s's were 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 sold they had 18650 batteries that basically look like little round cells like this. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually a 2170, but it's a little bit tinier than this. Um, and there's probably about 7,000 plus and change oh of these gosh. things vertically on the floorboard. So looking about, about two and a half, three inches. Um, but what that does is it keeps the weight really nice and low in proportion to the car. Um, I have a few Teslas. My wife has one as well. Um, mine looks like a pickup truck because I chopped it up and looked like a Tesla Mino, we call it. But still. <laughs> I want to see that. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a conversation for a different day. Um, but what we did is, you know, Tesla's stacking that stuff really low. And then they have modules that are about 55 pounds. As I said, about 24 inches by, 20, uh, by, uh, by 12 by 3. And those stack basically sideways across the floor of the car, um, keeping your center of gravity low. The Model 3s have longer cells of these 2170s, a slightly larger cell. Um, they're a better cell. They, they would heat away a little bit easier. As, as Tim said, everything kind of evolves, but it's baby steps. It's not like, oh, yeah, tomorrow a solid state's going to take over the world. I don't believe anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what Tesla's doing is, you know, A, safety is a big thing for them, so they want to keep everything as low to the ground as possible. But they are allowed to build a car around the batteries. Yeah. Where what we're doing is we're building the batteries around an existing car. And we, the more modular we could get these things, the better. I like using the Model S packs because they are easier to work with. They're still a pain in the butt because they're, they're big. But the Model 3 size packs, uh, the Model Y size packs, Unless you have a pickup truck, really, you're not going to do much with those because they are so long. You can't stick them sideways in the car. And then, you know, you have a tunnel usually in most of these classic vehicles. You have all this other componentry suspension that just was not designed to go around this. So um, we're always constantly evolving here as well. You know, we, we do build more and more products, and we don't just have motors. We have electronics now coming out, contactor boxes. We actually are going to be releasing a battery module here next year um, oh, for whoa. the exact reason. Oh, that's amazing. So, Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so for all of these changes that you're making to Tesla things, like you, you're doing a lot. Like, have you got any feedback from Tesla? And it's like, um, you shouldn't be doing that. Or um, like giving them royalties for using their products or any of that. Like, have you encountered it? I'm, I'm very curious. Desist? Yeah. Like they're <laughs> the like, um, we're going to sue you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Like, no. Well, um, before I, I'm part of my other company, I do a lot of legal work. So okay. we do databases for attorneys. So I do have a, a pretty big background in, in legal. I'm not an attorney, but I've been around it for almost 30 years. Uh, so that was one of the first things I dove into before I started this okay. company is what can I legally allowed to use? Mm. And, uh, you know, I got to hand it to Elon. Um, he's been very good about opening his patents up. If you go to his website, uh, Tesla, and you actually dig around, you'll find some literature on that website that says that, hey, basically, most of his patents are wide open to use. Wow. As long as 
you don't use his name, like the Tesla's name, and you don't sue them over something going wrong, they'll pretty much leave you alone. Wow. Um, I did ha I did have the, uh, the the privilege of talking to one of the Tesla attorneys at one point. Um, it was kind of off the record, but uh, I did run into him at a car show. We ended up talking about this, and I wanted to double-check that what we were doing was okay. <laughs> and he told me, look, if you decide to sue us for any reason at all because you screwed something up, well, you're, we're going to bite your head off. <laughs> um, it's out of sight, out of mind. Plus, honestly, I, as I said, I'm not branding anything of ours as Tesla. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I don't resell batteries of Teslas. I, I tell my customers to go get them from dismantlers because mm -hmm. uh, I'm not in the business of reselling those types of batteries because it's you know not my thing. Um, and I don't know how the laws work up in BC, but down here, if you buy a car of a junkyard, it's your car. Yeah. I mean, you can do whatever you want to it. I mean, those, those are your parts. Yeah. It, you know, I don't think so they don't have an issue with it and so far everything's been great we've used some of their parts on the fastest electric race car we built out at bonneville a couple of years ago and you know, did mention that there was tesla motors in there I, I never heard anything good or bad from them it would have been cool to get a phone call going you yeah, guys rock but <laughs> <laughs> nothing and that's actually a really amazing segue because talk to us about like racing and all of that because i know you guys are involved in it quite a bit yeah so um, my biggest thing is when I came to this industry and any industry I, I dive into, I always look around who the players are and what everyone's doing. Um, I found it kind of funny that, uh, you know, people weren't putting these in like, you know, high end cars or heavy cars. You know, the, the EV stuff was all kind of Volkswagens and I had a Volkswagen in school, loved my 55 oval window. Um, but let's be honest, they're, they're cute toys. Um, I wanted something with way more horsepower and something with a little bit more kick. So my instant mindset was I got to build a, a car and I got to show people that it goes fast because people think electric cars are slow. <laughs> and I wanted, I wanted to kill that stigma. Um, so we built the Mustang and we also uh, built, uh, um, we had Team Vesco, that's the fastest team at Bonneville. They've had cars that go over 500 miles an hour. Oh they gosh. basically gave me one of their cars to use for a few years and say, hey, look, it's got a tricked out Sanderson V8 in here that produces almost 1,000 horsepower on nitro. Can you put something in it that's equivalent? I said, I did the math real quick and I said, yeah, I, I can. Um, so we got that car from them and in four months I had a team of my guys and myself working around the clock to convert a car that was built in 1957 that had endless <laughs> records on it, on it, Bonneville, and it went faster under electric combustion than it ever had under gas and it also set two records, broke the national record and broke the world record of fastest electric vehicle. Oh and the top speed was almost 360 miles an hour on that thing. That's wild. That is insane. <laughs> like, Brad, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say that. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. Because, um, Steve, you do a lot of stuff with actual, like, you do a lot of pro mods. Yeah. Uh, you wire a lot of pro mods. And you see how much power, like, some of these cars have. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's not uncommon for the cars that I do mostly in the three to 4,000 horsepower range. That's insane. Pretty, pretty standard for pro mod class these days. Mm -hmm. um, but moving forward, like it would be fun to actually get somebody with a proper uh, double rail car and actually do a full proper EV setup in it and actually go see what it can do in the quarter mile. I'd be super curious. Yeah, that's, that's, that's also interesting because you've also, you've been in some of these cars and you've 
probably driven some of like insane nothing of that no? level no i've only okay. been in cars up to about 14 1500 horsepower that's still a lot of power so i'm also wondering what the difference is going to be like in a high like so how much power did that that uh that land speed car have at the shaft we're producing about uh a little over a thousand horsepower but the torque at the shaft was over a thousand pound feet oh my gosh <laughs> that is insane and, and yeah and that's that's what we like to tell people we don't like to talk horsepower as much because yeah, horsepower torque. sells cars torque move, moves them and everything's all based off a of torque and we don't really have a torque curve like an ic engine where it kind of has to build up and then it hits its peak our tor torque is like this it just goes straight up and it sustains there until it hits its voltage cap wow. and then it drops off yeah so we could use uh, that car that went to bonneville and did almost 360 it only had one gear yeah. it went straight to the differential there was yeah. no gearbox in that car. wow wow okay so, so like uh, a, a so like a solution to make it go even faster would be to add another gear then like have you done no, that yet no, or no we had no gearing issues at all Oh, okay, okay. I wasn't sure because even with um, a lot of Teslas, I know the, I don't know if they've changed it now, but I know they usually have one gear. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I don't know about all of it, but they have one gear, and so usually whenever they hit that top, like that's usually it. And so I know for like companies like I think maybe Remak, Remats, if you want to say it right, but I think they use two two gears. This is what I've heard in theory, but. At the, whenever they hit the range of one gear, then the second gear takes over. So that's like for more like higher speeds, just for more sustained speeds, I guess. So do you guys do any of that? Have you experimented with any of that or? Yeah, we've, we've experimented with multi, you know, gear boxes. Um, you know, right now we, we're making a, an adapter to a Tremec. So our motors will work on a Tremec because I've had a couple of people really beg me for that. Um, it's kind of an oxymoron because you're not going to be able to use all six speeds. Um, the gear ratios are completely different yeah. than what our our, our our motors will use because um, well, the amount of torque we could sustain the RPM we could sustain is much different. But um, there are a couple of companies I'm working with that they're coming out with two speeds, which is great. You know, you have the the Boulevard Bruiser and then more over the highway gear. Brad Racing and then Bonneville is second gear, so um, you're not going to see these big six or ten speeds in these electric motors because. Mm -hmm we run more efficiently than ICE. ICE has as much smaller of a Overton window of efficiency to torque where we have a very large window of, uh, of, of efficiency to torque. Plus we're making very little heat on top of it. Most of these motors you see these days coming out, they're like up in the high 90% efficiency. That means 90% of the energy that goes 96, 94, 98% of the energy goes in these motors gets used as mechanical energy. Wow. It doesn't burn off in the heat or any other parasitic issues. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so Tim, like talk to us a little bit about, because you've experienced also a lot of power on like internal combustion engine. And so I'm curious to know if your thoughts, like dealing with uh, Eddie and the guys at Revolt and electric power chains has uh, changed your, I guess, perspective on <laughs> electric high horsepower cars because your car like the evo makes like what it's, it's it can make like 2000 horsepower or whatever i but, don't know about that but it makes but a lot it makes a, it can like the bottom end can hold in theory from what i've been told <laughs> by the manufacturer but, yeah, yeah yeah um i would say it's probably become undeniable like you can't take from it like i mean you got teslas that are you know doing zero sixties in three seconds. Like, how do you dismiss that? You can't anymore. In the early days, most of the stuff was honestly junk. 
like it had very little range very little power but now it's like it's so crazy like if you're actually into going fast this has become undeniable so of course you're still going to have the ICE guys that are all like about the build and the modifications and that slow sort of burn up to where they get whereas this you just kind of which is one of my questions. Like, I kind of want to know what the evolution of all this is because you're just kind of starting at the top <laughs> and you got it all right away. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's like, they're so violently fast. Like even getting a ride in the Mustang was, yeah, it's like a light switch. It's just, you got it all right now without a lot of the challenges and the constant tuning and tinkering and stuff that comes with the ICE side of it. So if mm. you've been doing this for a lifetime and you're constantly <laughs> been fighting and tinkering and replacing and modifying and it's like this is just an insane amount of power and it's reliable yeah like if you got to think of a thousand horsepower engine in general like if you're at the track like these guys are having to they have a different tune-up for every run on the car a tuner's going in with the laptop every single pass and making adjustments to make sure that that thing holds together so to have something like like the ev side of thing goes where you're have this incredible amount of power that doesn't require a constant laptop hookup between each round could be uh, could be an amazing thing as far as racing goes but i do get that it loses a bunch of the drama with the noise i i understand that part of it but i mean part of the journey is like that's half the fun so it kind of removes a little bit of the journey (laughs) but i mean at a certain point in your life it's like man i just want to get where i'm going like Mm. that's so this side of it it's pretty cool and it's a whole new thing to learn so it's that part of it's been awesome but yeah it's yeah it's completely different but if you just want to go fast these things are just insanely violent ballistic yeah yeah Yeah. and and so would you consider getting rid of your like motor (laughs) because the whole you know like that cheesy term that's constantly being used in the automotive industry is the visceral visceral mm. has a tremendous amount of value to me yeah, yeah but that doesn't mean that i can't appreciate what this is and will i build another one yeah 100 percent, i'll build another one like i want to see where it's going it's something new and to try to deny that this isn't going to keep going is crazy like they're not going to go away no and EVs i can just are see here them to get stay. them better so i just want to be a part of that whole thing yeah yeah so yeah and well, Sorry, you were sorry. You were gonna say something, Eddie. We tell people too. You know, they we get asked. So uh, when's this EV stuff gonna really kick in? I'm like, what do you mean when? It's it's already here. It's it, you got to get on it now because it's already here. We're 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 there. It's it's not when it's coming. It's how fast it's it's gonna be adopted by people. You know, I've watched this industry explode in the last two years. There's vendors I've never even heard of coming out of the woodwork making stuff and a lot of it's gonna be good and unfortunately like any new industry a lot of it's gonna be garbage. So there's gonna be a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Actually it's funny you should mention that because talk to us a little you mentioned it earlier, but I wanted you you guys to talk a little bit about just the difference in levels of the whole ev swap thing because like we mentioned earlier it seems easy just plug and play that's it i've done a couple of kits from other companies like from ev west and stuff on like the old beetles that you probably done before as well and and it's like the first one i did was literally like a trunk full of golf cart batteries and junky motor and the thing might have had 50k range and before it would be completely out 
Wow, then, 50 kilometers. Yeah, so like, it's okay. like, but this was like 10 years ago yeah. or whatever it was. So like, like uh, so it's, it's grown substantially since then. But there's a lot of guys who just want to have the electric car for the electric car and have, they don't care how far it goes or the speed or performance or of it. They just love the idea of the electric car. So that's, there's a huge difference between that where me and Tim and, and Eddie, like we want the performance version of it. We want to go fast. We mm-hmm. want to see what the limit of these things are, uh, where some people don't. They just want the idea of it. Yeah. And you've, you just, we're not going to call out any company names, but yeah. you tell us about your experience with working with um, some of these like EV companies or they proud themselves on building EV cars, but the work is not, as yeah, good as I would, you would say expect. in my experience up until this point, a lot of these companies that are building EV cars may be doing a disservice to the EV industry because they're not necessarily car builders. So now that you have guys that are like legitimate car builders working with guys like Eddie and trying to create a, an amazing finished product that actually functions and more of those get out there and more people get to see them do what they're actually supposed to be doing. I think it's just going to take off even more because some of the stuff that's getting electrified now is amazing. These are amazing cars yeah. built by amazing builders. But up until now, most of what I've seen is like do it yourself kind of guys, which is cool. Do your thing. But like I said earlier, there's not a lot of actual thought into the dynamics of the vehicle when it's done. And it's a drivability. The focus is just the EV conversion part of it, Mm -hmm. which is a romantic idea. And a lot of people do it for environmental reasons and wanting to participate and all that kind of stuff. But I'm more on the performance side of it and creating a cool car. And it just so happens that my customer wanted to use an electric motor. So I'm not really participating in the other side of it. I'm more into this side of it and the challenge of what it is. So a lot of these companies that I see, it's just, I think it's more the romantic idea of them saving the planet (laughs) rather than necessarily trying to actually build a really good ev car yes so we're trying we're participating (laughs) we try to stay out of the political realm of that particular conversation um because you won't stop me from talking about how crazy this is and how (laughs) stupid some of these people are of trying to make this uh of green you got to charge, you got to get energy out of somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And people are like, well, yeah, you just plug it into the wall. I'm like, well, where does that come from? Yeah. yeah. You know, we could, we could go down this rabbit hole forever. Um, I'm strictly here to do one thing, go fast. Yeah. Um, I'm very good friends with a lot of the older guys that have been doing this way before us. Uh, Gary Hooker from Hooker Headers is oh. a really close friend of ours. Um, David Spangler, which actually ran, ran Hooker Headers for many years before they sold it to Holly, is a good friend of ours. Team Vasco. Uh, San Diego Roadster Club. These are people that have been doing this since the 1930s, 40s. I mean, these are some older guys. (laughs) These guys are... Yeah. Yeah. They're in their 80s. Peter Diem is, I think, 85. He builds his own V12 Hemis by hand. They're 20 liters. I mean, this guy's a genius. I mean, these people will blow your mind. They have forgotten more about cars than I will ever know. (laughs) Um, It's true. Yeah. And, And... and to have people like that at, at my my fingertips, and we have a we have a meeting with them every month. We we race at Bonneville and El Mirage together. We go to the track down here, and I would say ninety nine percent of those old guys are like, "Kid, you're doing exactly what we did fifty sixty years ago. 
this is exactly what we did. Go for it and don't let anyone tell you anything else. We like it badass. Wow. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> so we call it hot rodding 2.0. Um, and we get a lot of really cool, you know, uh, you know, guys like that, that really respect it. Um, the hate part is fun too. Cause oh, anytime yeah. we post anything, <laughs> yeah. man, and you've already been on the back end of this thing a couple of times that people just the keyboard warriors get on their keyboards oh, yeah. and like you desecrated American classic. You guys are pieces of junk and they start calling you names and telling you who you think <laughs> they think you voted for. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure down where you are, you probably get it so much worse than us up here. We're not, oh, yeah. we're not as politically divided here in Canada as uh, I mean, South. we are to a point but like not to the <laughs> levels of the keyboard warriors that he's got to yeah. deal with on a daily basis I'm sure when it comes to that stuff but uh, I, I totally get what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we actually we enjoy it it does two things it gives us something to laugh about because it's, it's the same rant you destroyed an American car you're not a hot rodder how dare you you, you Chinese communist you know that's basically <laughs> the, the, the circle of the whole that's the primary and then yeah. you know then you get the guys that are like in the middle of which i think are cooler they're like you know i don't like this electric car push i don't know why the government's pushing it but you know they do go fast and those are the people you can engage with some good civil discourse into and i go to sema um the mustang went there three years ago it's just a rolling chassis and then last year when it was a full running car and this year it's going back again i've had multiple vehicles in wow. sema and i have more even more coming in now and talking with these people and i've done so many shows with these cars most people are open-minded and they're receptive to this and you know there are the diehards that are like nope i'll never do it but i could respect it um the people that are those that are the loudest online i think that's only like a small fraction of them Um, but that goes for anything especially when you start you know splitting the line of gas versus (laughs) you know electric you get a lot of polarization there but at the end of the day, you know, it is moving very quickly. People are starting to jump on it. All the old, old timers that I'm dealing with right now, they're the, the real hot rodders. Those guys started hot rodding. Mm-hmm. Um, they're into it. They're just like, you're doing, you're just going fast. Yeah. Who cares yeah. what people say? Yeah. Go beat them at the track. And we, we have now. Yeah. Because like Tim said, it's literally, it's undeniable now because of how fast they are. A Model S that weighs what? Like how many, six, five, six thousand. I don't know how many thousand pounds it weighs, but it's so heavy, but it does zero to 60 in like what? Two and a half seconds or something. 1.9. What? Like that is, (laughs) that blows my mind. And so the potential that that has putting into like, I don't know, like a classic car or something, I feel like is so amazing. And like Steve said, you don't have the trouble of a lot of, like it is half of the fun, like trying to explore, oh, how can I go faster? Or how can I exploit all of these little tricks and these little things? But at the same time, you have to appreciate the fact that you're already, you're like at the top of the game with relatively ease with relative ease for the most part and you can do it over and over and over again and not i mean the only thing you might worry about is snapping the whatever like drive like axles or something because of the power or but you can keep on doing it and i think there is so much in that like you said you just want to go fast like that's that is the key everything else behind oh how do you go fast is a different thing but that same thought i think is what people need and like oh i just want to go fast everything else is that appreciation of speed if i should say it yeah which i think a lot of people don't really like we post stuff all the time and you get the builder guys like it's all about the build 
but there's just some people that just are about the drive yes. and going fast. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't think people differentiate between the two different people within this sort of sport in this industry, because it's like, I'm at a point now where I just want to go fast. I'm <laughs> done building stuff constantly. Like it's, it's never, it feels never ending. We we're joking about it yeah. right before now. Cause I got a dyno appointment and it's like, here's another bag of parts I got to put in this mm. car. And it's just like, never ends. It never ends. And it's like this constant evolution. So it's like, to have something that just performs so well, like you're going to lose. I'm sure there's some sort of modification, hot rod version coming. I don't know how if you can manipulate software or batteries or voltages or something. I hope there is because it'll jump off an entire another industry. But right now it seems like you put this motor and this battery pack in and you're going to go fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's undeniable. Like, yeah. Well, speaking from a performance standpoint, as far as like, I guess, like the EV part would be traction strategies um like as these things become more and more powerful and readily available traction becomes the issue with with any car no matter what you do um so i don't know what's coming up as far as being able to have some kind of high level traction control in the ev stuff it's funny that you mentioned that because that's that's exactly what they're working on we could produce so much torque right off the bat that even the motors that we use in the model s tesla motors when you floor them they don't instantly just grenade the tires even though they can now we have used other software to get around some of those slew rates that tesla programs in their 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 motors and if we open them wide open and you slam on that throttle pedal you're just gonna break breaking axles (laughs) you're gonna torch tires Uh, but that's tim said it perfectly it's so high up already yeah it's how do you mitigate that and how do you get that into a, com- a car correctly so it could be drivable um there is such things as too much power in the wrong direction if you can't stick it it's worthless and then if you can't stick it at the right time then you're spinning tires and you're losing races um bonneville i'll keep going back to this because this is bonneville is a very 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 Oh, it's an evil place, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it, it's evil in the way that it will break you to pieces. You mm. are stuck out in the middle of the sun, 100, 100 degree weather, in the middle of a salt dead man's land. There are no tools. There are no shops. There are no, you got to bring everything that you need to vi- finish and work on your car with you. And it will break you down like that. Um, we happen to be there with some of the best guys in the industry with Team Vasco. They're breaking stuff. Everyone's breaking something. Nine times out of wow. ten, a car goes down the salt. You hear something explode or a gearbox <laughs> goes on it. It's a five-mile drag race with, I mean, these guys have up to 5,500 horsepower. Anywhere between zero and five and a half thousand is the most I've seen out there. And people break stuff. And I remember our first run when we built that yellow car um the the little giant we never had a chance to test the car i didn't have time That's... literally would you ever take a car to a drag strip that you didn't drive uh no. we do oh. it all the time said we'll like build a car here and we'll send it to georgia for a big dollar race and like we don't know if the car works but we'll send it down there oh anyway. my <laughs> gosh wow but you guys have done this a thousand times in your pros yeah this this is like our first shot we're like uh everyone's looking at me because i'm i'm the one behind the whole thing they're like you think it's gonna work i'm like Hopefully. it better work <laughs> <laughs> the most testing we did it's so funny we actually had the car never came off the trailer the car's you know almost 28 feet long trailer's like 34 feet long it doesn't fit anywhere it doesn't turn it's not like a regular vehicle you can just like you know no. put it on dollies and move it around 
So we had it sitting on the trailer for the four months we had it. And the night before Bonneville, we pulled the back wheels off the ground with one of my forklifts, <laughs> revved it up to, yeah. revved it up to 200 miles an hour, and then, okay, nothing broke, and the belt moved a little bit, so let's make some small adjustments. We put the car on the back on the, on the wheels, packed everything up, went to Bonneville, and I was remember being on the starting line for the first time for our shakedown. And my brother's standing next to me, and he's extremely pessimistic. <laughs> he just looks at me and goes... You better hope this works. <laughs> you're screwed. And then <laughs> car rolls off the line, and I'm like nail biter, right? I'm just sitting there going, "Well, there's nothing I can do at this point." Yeah. And I watch the car roll down the line, and it starts making a screaming noise, and it just disappears. And I jump in the chase truck with Rick Vesco, and we hear the mile markers getting counted off, and it did like 280 miles an hour for its Gosh. first shakedown run. And uh, Rick, nice guy, looks back at me and goes. You know what, kid? We gave you a one in ten chance of just getting down to the end of the track. Good for you, Mike. <laughs> what? You didn't think I'd be able to pull this off? Nope. Wow, that's amazing. That is so cool. Yeah, and, and and the neat part was we were able to do that. I mean, we had a battery problem our first year there, or our first run. We just we used Tesla batteries and they just couldn't keep up. So I had to come back to the office in 30 days and build a brand new battery pack up for off out of a totally different uh, system that got us up to 254 and almost 200, 259 almost. I'm sorry, 354 and almost 360 miles an hour. But all we did is we changed batteries. Those two sets of motors that are inside that car have run every single run we've ever done at Bonneville with it. I think we've done like eight or nine flawless runs, uh, flawless runs with those motors. We never changed the oil, which wow. there isn't any. We've never made did any maintenance on it. We literally would come back to the pits. We would double check everything. I'd pull up data out of the logs to see if the motors were doing okay. We would charge the thing up, crack a beer, and wait for our next run, where everyone else is ripping heads off, yeah. putting, you know. And we're like, I kind of felt bad because we didn't have that much stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was one of those guys, I would honestly be kind of mad. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This this electric guy just came here and he's just, I'll be mad. But yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. We did. We did piss off some people, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to me, too, you know, the time we spend, like Tim said, too, tinkering with, you know, exhaust or tinkering with getting the timing right or your mixture right, that's all wonderful. We've all done it a thousand times. I'm a gas guy, too. I, I grew up on gas. I love gas. I, I got a tuned diesel out front that I love driving. My F-250 is amazing, um, and that thing's fully modified. Um, but at the end of the day, I'd rather spend time with my three kids and when I'm on the racetrack, rather tuning and stressing out over my car being not right, which has happened, I'd rather be tuning my car to go faster versus it being broken. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, we do break stuff too. We went out to El Mirage with one of our uh, race bikes a couple months ago, um, and we blew the inverter about 50 feet, 50 feet off the starting line, oh, wow. and all <laughs> the gas guys are like, <laughs> they were so pumped. Yeah. Yes, finally. Oh, they're like. You loser! You couldn't even get away. One, one guy called a sewing machine on a loudspeaker too. He's like, "There he goes!" Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh. 
we got to lick our wounds and go back and do it again. But, you know, we, we do have failures as well. But, you know, those failures happen when you're running systems that are, are not. The, ro- the system inside that bike is about 12 years old. They don't make it anymore. Um, so just like anything else, if it's tried and true and tested, that's why we like to use Tesla products in our stuff, like our motors, our inverters are all Tesla-based. Those OEMs, people do not give OEMs enough credit. They simply Everyone don't. complains. That, yeah. You know, and... They spend billions and billions of dollars on engineering stuff. People don't get, yeah, how much engineering goes into any stock vehicle. Absolutely. And, I mean, okay, we all build cars here. Are our cars going to go do 200,000 miles and and not really have any major mechanical flaws in them? Uh, Yeah, right. You know, (laughs) you'll buy a cheap Honda, I think will go half a million miles on you. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to be said. I didn't know you could hit limits on the types of batteries or so talk to us a little bit about that like how you tune the engines internal combustion you're trying to squeeze every last ounce of power out of it is it like is it still a similar way with like electric well yeah there is there is a lot of um, different types of tuning mostly um with with electric motors and kind of like gas too you're you're moving fuel from a gas engine from one state to another and how efficiently the combustion process happens and the power it produces in between there is basically your your output Um, electric motors are, are very similar you have a battery that has you know a lot of dc power in it and then you have a motor that's being basically pinwheeled with that that electricity the faster and more efficient you can make that circle, the better your motor is going to run. I could take a little tiny motor and make a thousand horsepower out of it, but it's going to blow up on me, catch fire, and explode. <laughs> um, so you want to make sure your proportions are right too. That you have a if you are going to be running a high high system with a lot of amperage, a lot of voltage, you want a motor that could be able to sustain that. But also the battery is the biggest trick. So that Bonneville car, same car, same everything. One battery pack, they're both 400-volt battery packs, so no, no difference in voltage. One of the battery packs, the Tesla pack, couldn't go over 300. Wow. It kind of pittered out at 295 miles an hour. It just could not give us enough push because the voltage sag was too, too high. So I had two motors in there pulling about 1,300, about 20, uh, 12, 1,200 amps each. So I got 2,400 amps being drawn out of this battery pack. When you pull that much amperage down, it's, it's amperage is flow. It's like how much fluid is going through a pipe. Um, the pipe size depends on how much you get. And then pressure is voltage. Like that's PSI. You know, voltage is pressure. So even though I have 400 volts, if I'm trying to suck out all that amperage, all of a sudden my voltage drops. It's like, you know, your wife turning on the curling iron in the, in, in, at the house. Or you flush in the toilet <laughs> and you see the water dr- stop, stop mm. coming out of the faucet. Batteries are the exact same thing. If you know if they can't produce the power that you're demanding, you're going to have other issues. You have heat buildup because your amperage is going to go up. So our first battery just couldn't keep up voltage-wise and amperage-wise, and we ended up cooking the battery. Luckily, wow. nobody got hurt. Wow. A month later, we built a new battery pack for it. Same voltage, except now we expanded the current levels and the type of chemistry that we were using, it wouldn't sag. So under full throttle, my Tesla battery would drop down almost 200 volts Ooh. under full throttle. Wow. So I just lost half my power. Mm-hmm. On the new battery pack, I only lost about 50 to 60 volts. So, you know, I almost quadrupled the amount. So from going 295 miles an hour to almost 360 I know 70 miles an hour doesn't sound like a big deal to you guys, but when you're going 300. Those speeds are massive. 
massive. It's exponential. So uh, the way I was taught that for every 100 miles an hour, you're going to need four times the amount of power. So let's just round numbers. 100 horsepower gets you 100 miles an hour. It's going to take 400 horsepower to get to two, 1,600 horsepower to get to three, and so on and so forth. Um, I'm just using round numbers, depending on your drag coefficients. But that is heavy heavy stuff and so that translates same way to electric cars too it's, it's not it doesn't change power wise nope not okay. at all it okay. was actually funny because one of the year the first year that we had the battery pack issue um all the old timers were sitting there going well let's try a different gear set so we had a quick change in the car they kept changing gear ratios on me the top speed never changed it's just how fast we got there changed hmm. and they're all looking at each other going wow yeah. <laughs> they didn't understand how it was. Yeah. They were so just cool. thinking that we weren't hitting the power band fast enough. Like, there is no power band in these things. It's <laughs> just torque. <laughs> it's just there. You're not changing it. Yeah. Yeah. Physics, physics becomes much simpler with electric motor because I don't have camshafts. I don't have, you know, timing issues. I don't have all this other stuff that, like, oh, maybe we missed something. I'm like, nope. This is physically how much this motor can perform. You're not going to change it. <laughs> That's it. Unless yeah. we start... You know, it, it, it's not being fed enough. It's It was getting, you know, it was getting robbed of power. So what, how do we change that? Batteries. And batteries are the biggest thing that I've known that um, for performance. I mean, if you have a high-performance motor, a motor like one of ours, you could have it perform amazingly, and you could have it perform eh, depending on what battery pack you stick in. The car that you guys built for Bonneville, is that, you mentioned two motors. Is that one on each back wheel, or is that... Um, like one in the front, one in the back, like an all-wheel drive system, or no? No, it's uh, it's twin motors belted together with a six-inch Gates blower belt. So basically, you have a master and the slave motor, and then the bottom motor has a shaft directly connected to the drive line that goes to the quick change rear end. So very simple. And then there's a giant six-inch Gates blower belt that runs between the two of them and keeps them synchronized. Oh, okay. Um, That's awesome. That's the setup on, on that. And the reason I did that is because I realized how much power we need. And, you know, Tesla Model S motor at its best, best, best performance is about 603 horsepower. I needed 1,000. So I knew for a fact one motor wasn't going to be enough. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to run them at full tilt either. So I stacked two of them together, and we got about 950 horsepower to the ground off of those two. Mm. Okay. And the, the torque was really good. And, and other projects, too, that we have, we're always working on other stuff here. Um, we do have what we call the Hillbill E Deluxe. It's uh, it's 1980s Sierra. It's basically a C10. Okay. My my guy Snow here towed it back, towed it back from Texas. Uh, it still has original 30 year old Yokohamas on the front of it, nice. and uh, we put one of my motors in it, and then we put the Streamliner battery in it out of that race car because we don't use that race car during the year. And we take that thing down to the eighth mile drags, and we have some fun kicking people's booty all over the place. It's, it's <laughs> on the thirty-year-old tires, or <laughs> well, we have drag radials on the back, but uh, yeah, you know, don't tell anybody about the front tires. Um, but uh, we are. I've we, got to uh, watch a lot of fun with on Instagram truck. with that thing, stomping Hellcats and stuff. So crazy! Looks fun. <laughs> That's awesome. We're actually doing a big upgrade to that truck where uh since we're retiring the the land speed car uh that car is going to go in museum um they're putting an original motor that their dad built in 1957 in that car it's model b so that car is being retired and uh the powertrain's mine 
So we're taking that whole entire 1200 horsepower powertrain and uh, we're putting that in Snow's Hillbilly Deluxe and <laughs> we're going to tub the rear end, nice. put real drag six on it. We're going to get rid of those Yokohamas are going out the door. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, and then we're tubing the whole front end and it's going to be a 1200 horsepower quarter mile and eighth mile bruiser. Fun. That so is going to be terrifying be fun. and fun. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, Bomb the- truck, here we come. <laughs> so uh we all we also just want to also keep your time in we usually give give this for an hour but do you guys have any more questions i feel like i, I still have, have a lot of questions him, that'll, yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. that'll be later yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i still have a lot of questions because i could i could yeah i literally wrote like a page or half and i've only gone through like maybe two or three of those questions yeah we'll have to but, have you on again after yeah. we actually get this thing done and then uh, talk about our I experience know. i'm very curious so yeah i think that's pretty much it do you have any more questions for us well we could sit here all day but i, I might cover everyone's time as well <laughs> yeah i think that's pretty much it thank you so much for watching if you want to find out more information uh on everything ev you can hit up revolt uh, they will get you sorted if you're interested in it uh, they have youtube channels instagrams all of that stuff so you can check them out uh, revolt systems just google it i don't know if that translates to your website revoltsystems.com or no yeah it's revoltsystems.com oh, or okay. uh, our our hashtags or you know just revolt systems on instagram and at revolt systems over at youtube yes and uh we try to try to have fun with everybody keep it you know pc get, we love the hate so if you, if you don't like what we're doing we love to hear that too yeah drives the algorithmic beast yeah checked out some of your videos <laughs> it looks then, like uh, you guys have a lot of fun at the shop so yeah it's pretty awesome we have a great crew yeah Awesome. I've been very blessed to have really good people around me and, and, you know, guys like you too. I love working with you guys. Tim, I can't wait to see that G-Wagon roll and I'm going to be calling you in the next few minutes to talk about wiring and what you guys need to help get you guys to SEMA because you guys got, ooh, no time. Three weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> Less than three weeks. But uh, yeah, so until we're excited about that, so we'll, we will also be seeing you at SEMA. So that's going to be fun. Uh, so with that said, awesome. yeah, we will see you guys next week um, and bye. <laughs> <laughs>